Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, Madhuni Christian, joined again by my friend and colleague, Ned Russell. As we discuss in the first podcast of the year, the delays and cancellations that plagued the U.S. industry over the holiday break and uh, the delay of the 5G wireless network rollout. Happy New Year, everyone. Hey there, Ned. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Madhu. Doing well. Good, good. I'm glad uh, glad to see you back after our little break, our little hiatus, and we're glad to be talking to all of you, our listeners. Exactly. It's good to be back from the holidays. Hope everyone had a, a Merry Christmas if you celebrate and a Happy New Year. Yes. A very Happy New Year. And that's a good hook for our first topic, Ned, and that is we hope that those of you who travel during New Year were able to get home or st- are not still stranded in airports. And that's something you've been covering. Well, we've both been covering, but you wrote a story recently about that, Ned, um, about uh, what is going on with the, U- the U.S. air transport system. That's right. Well, it's not just the U.S. air transport system, but we'll start there. So uh, as Omicron cases started to surge in the U.S. just before the holidays, we saw so cancellations begin to, to spike. Uh, you know, a couple hundred flights a day, more than the industry average, and it, it rapidly rose. You know, we have had in the U.S. today, there's over a thousand flight cancellations. And this is, of course, uh, I mean, this is the combined result of crew shortages due to Omicron, you know, weather in the U.S. and everything. But it's not fun if you're on one of those canceled flights. It's, you know, it's a small percentage, only about eight, nine percent of the total system. But it's... well, uh, let, let me stop you there, Ned. I mean, if you look at if you look at the uh, if you watch TV in the U.S. or you read the newspapers or you whatever you're following on Twitter, it would seem as if every flight in the country has been grounded and that the airports are teeming with people sleeping on cots or what have you. And that's just not actually the case. Right. Isn't that what your reporting found out? Absolutely. That is not the case. You know, airlines have been printing schedules. I remember when I set out for my holiday travel, United was one of the first to print schedules and they were printing, you know, the the 6 a.m. hub to hub flight between Houston and, and Chicago, things like that. So travelers were not stranded. They were preemptively doing it so people could be moved to other flights. You know, yes, the problems have gotten worse since then, but it's still a small percentage of the total air system. I took three flights over the holidays myself. All three were on time, smooth trips. I didn't see a single person sleeping in an airport during my travels. And you, you, your story said that 91 per, over that two-week period, about 91% of flights operated as they, they were scheduled to operate? Exactly. Now, that doesn't take into account, you know, some of those were delayed or, uh, or right. whatnot. But 91% of flights were completed, uh, completion factor being a measure of, of you know, not uncanceled flights. No, right. But I mean, that's that's that is interesting. I mean, when I read that, I was really surprised because I just watched the morning news in San Francisco that morning, and it was nothing but travelers delayed, and you know the sob stories. And I I understand people's pain if they're coming back from their New Year's holiday. Of course, you don't want to be trapped, but. People, you know, the typical man on the street interviews at at airports of people who were stuck there for two days because their flights were canceled and they couldn't get on the next flight. And that's just the the 91 percent figures really, really um, illustrates that the system mainly worked as it should have. Exactly. Now, let's not forget that, you know, in normal on a normal day, ninety nine point five point six percent of flights are completed. So. Cancellations are elevated, but you're right. You know, it's it's the system is working as it should by and large. And, you know, yes, if you're on one of those canceled flights, it, it does suck. But you know, really, this is not a huge a 
it's not as bad of a, of a problem as the you know network news has made it out to be. Ooh, Ned and said suck. Ned said suck. Ned said a dirty <laughs> word. I think suck is allowed. <laughs> um, we can uh, defer to uh, other people to see if they if they disagree. But you know, the system was largely working, and travel was smooth for tens of thousands of people who flew over the holidays. Millions of people. I mean, the the. T- the uh, TSA reported uh, more than two million right. passengers screened on most days over the holidays. So a lot of you know, millions of people flew uneventfully over the holiday season in the U.S. Now, I mean, with some of those delays, of course, um, the problem is getting on the next flight. I mean, especially if you think of a carrier like, say, Southwest and the before times, which would have multiple. You know, I, I've been I've been on a suffered a cancellation at a several times on Southwest flights and was immediately booked onto the next flight. And so how much in your reporting, Ned, did the sort of lack of scheduled depth play into some of the, the pain people were feeling with the with air travel during the holidays? Definitely, Medu. Okay, yeah. So scheduled depth was was an issue. Um and and also, I mean this this you know the the headlines were concerned with the omicron variant and staffing levels and of course that was a factor i mean with with and that's part of the reason why cdc reduced its mandatory quarantine for those who test positive from 10 days to 5 days if you're vaccinated and you test negative at the end of the 5 day period that allowed you know just before the holidays jetblue and delta had lobbied the cdc to make that change because they were f- f- fearful that crews might be knocked out of commission for 10 days and they wouldn't be able to operate their schedules with Omicron. But it takes time for those new rules to go into effect. I, I was, you know, it was passed some, some internal Delta uh, bulletins, the pilots. And you know, even though the rules went into effect on the 27th, you know, they still had people out for, for five days. You know, they were like, well, you still can't return until the you know 27th would put it the first or second of the right. new year. And you know, that actually, if you look at A4A data, you know, the most cancellations uh, that have occurred over the holiday season occurred on the first when 15 percent of U.S. flights were wow. canceled. So you know, and the thing is, is Omicron, especially if you ask an airline like JetBlue, that's based, most of their crews are based in Northeast, isn't expected to peak for another week or two right. uh, in, in that region. So the cancellations are continuing. And then you look at I was just reading The Washington Post today. A surge is expected in the southeast coming up in the next few weeks. And so that's American Delta, major Delta American hubs. You know, those crews, even if they're only out for five days, it's still five days of inactivity from from, you know, what could be a sizable part of your workforce. Right. And and also the backdrop is that they thinned their workforces significantly through voluntary buyouts and, and leaves of absence and are starting to staff back up and have found challenges, as we've reported throughout the fall and winter um for sure but you know the other thing so what i was kind of getting at is like lost in the headlines about staffing shortages and yes those did play a huge role was the terrible weather in the u.s during the holiday period oh i mean i know i mean the pacific northwest got a snowstorm shortly after christmas alaska airlines was advising travelers that didn't need to make trips to just postpone until the new year uh, you know, I'm in Washington, D.C., and we got eight inches of snow yesterday. That would be January 3rd. 3rd, right. 
And, you know, I-95 has been closed for multiple hours with major backups. Yeah, Senator so, Tim Kaine has been stuck on <laughs> I-95 for more than 20, well, 20 hours and counting at this point. Still wondering why he didn't take the train, considering his tweets suggested he could have. This is the Airline Weekly podcast. Lounge, not the Train Weekly Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> for another podcast. But, you know, it's you Washington, the Washington region, we had... BWI and Reagan National Airport were closed for significant periods on Monday. That's a major hub for Southwest and a major hub for Americans. So, you know, the weather continues to disrupt the airline's best laid plans to get their operations back back in uh, in working order. Yeah, and I, I don't want to downplay Omicron and staffing levels because those are huge factors. But even in the best of times before the pandemic, when you have snow in D.C. and the Northeast and uh, such a bad winter storm in the Pacific Northwest that Alaska is telling people not to take uh, non-essential travel. I mean, that that would have rippled throughout the system anyway and caused a lot of delays. Absolutely. We you know we could have probably been talking about the snow-related uh, delays and cancellations on their own had Omicron not emerged. So it's, yeah, it's, you know, all these, conf- you know, it's a confluence of factors that's really disrupting airline operations. And you know, they're really not expected to completely ease for the next few weeks, if a month. Uh, Connor Cunningham at MKM Partners wrote that he expects the fallout really to last into February as the Omicron surges in the U.S. Now, on the positive note, he also expects, you know, the 2022 to be the year their industry puts the pandemic behind it. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say COVID-19 goes away, but as we've talked before, that COVID-19 becomes simply endemic and we just learn to live with it. Right. But so, you know, there's good news, but also, it's it's going to be a little while before we get to that good news. Yeah, in a way, this, you know, I mean, when when you think back to the late summer and early autumn um, and when Southwest, American Delta, Spirit, various other carriers had meltdowns because of staffing and not matching the schedule, they really feared Thanksgiving would be bad. But the weather cooperated and Thanksgiving went off without a hitch. When you think of it, the year end holiday period was their worst nightmare what they're expecting for Thanksgiving. And it all came to a head. All the things we've been seeing throughout 2021 just all sort of came together and throw in some snowstorms and and wind and whatever else. And it was a mess. <laughs> Absolutely. Even if uh, even though we, we agree most life and off without a hitch, the holiday season, 8% cancellations, of the holiday seasons is nothing to laugh at. That's still a sizable number of people disrupted. And yeah, it's the airline's worst nightmare. You know, they were hoping for a smooth operation. They didn't get it. You know, Ed Bastian told staff on a in a January one memo that you know it's it's the the, the Omicron surge and, and the weather is just it's still one of the most challenging uh, operating environments that they've they've faced through the holidays. Absolutely. All right, let, Ned. Let's take let's squeeze in a little break here. And we're back. This is Madhuni Christian. I'm joined by, uh, I always forget, joined by Ned Russell, uh, my friend and colleague. And we're we're back at the Airline Weekly Lounge for our first podcast of the year. That's right. And now, Madhu, you got the interesting opportunity to write about another issue that's really sort of blown up in the U.S. over the holidays. And that's the rollout of new 5G wireless technology. Tell well, us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, to say it's blown up really is... It's more been a slow boil throughout 2021. And I want slow burn personally. Slow we'll burn. Slow it's been boil. a slow, a slow something <laughs> uh, stove related since uh, early 2021 when the Federal Communications Commission approved um, the rollout of 5G networks by AT and T Wireless and Verizon. Now that that date is important. 
this was early, this was around February of 2021. Now, there have been airline industry groups that have said, you know, they're worried about 5G. It's been sort of ramping up throughout the year, but it took FA until November to put out an airworthiness directive saying that this, the 5G transmitters could potentially cause radio interference with altimeters on aircraft. So there was a That's a long months. delay. <laughs> February yeah. to November when the rollout was supposed to be the beginning of December. Exactly. So the rollout was supposed to be December 5th. FA put out an uh, airworthiness directive in early November. So... You know, the wireless industry pushed back the rollout to January 5th. And just today, which is January 4th, agreed to another two-week delay. Um, right. So Now, it, what are the concerns regarding this 5G technology? I mean, it, I, I got, it's safety-related, but, you know, what? tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I can't claim to understand the science. I'm not a physicist or... Wait, you're not a wireless communications technology expert? I what am not. <laughs> but the 5G rollout, um, the 5G networks use, um, operate on a frequency called um, C-band, I believe, that does have some potential to interfere with radio altimeters used on not just commercial aircraft, but uh, you know, general aviation aircraft as well, helicopters. Um, and this is a problem, especially at... Um, at the busiest airports. Now, the uh, the industry has put out a list of the airports that are probably most likely to be affected by this. Um, and they include all the New York area airports, all of New England, all of Southern California, all of Northern California, the Dallas area, uh, uh, Salt Lake City, uh, uh, the entire Pacific Northwest. So I could go on. I mean, basically the entire air transportation system, except for some pockets in Montana and, and Wyoming. Um, so so um, the concern is, uh, you know, FAA is advised that until the, this issue re is resolved, they may limit some low, vis low visibility and adverse weather landings. So some instrument landings which okay. would cause huge delays throughout the system. I mean, you'd think this last weekend was bad, right? Like when, when there was 91% of flights still operated despite snowstorms. Now, if, that, if they couldn't fly or have to divert because of snowstorms or low visibility, imagine. <laughs> right. And I mean, in the years past, we've talked about how airlines are more, uh, more actively preemptively cancel flights than, than operate them more, you know, not so much this is pre-COVID, but because of the new rules about, you know, length and tarmac delays mm -hmm. and the fines they could face. Just think if they're faced with the prospect of, of you know, even more snow diversions or issues flying in snow, that those preemptive cancellations could be even more widespread. And yeah. And it's, yes. it's, like, it's everything that flies. It's not just, just commercial aircraft, right? So you, right. Uh, it could be a real mess. So it could be, but isn't isn't this this issue has been mitigated uh, safely in other countries, right? Yes, that's right. And now there's there's like I said, I can't pretend to understand the science, but if you if just by talking to people, it seems like in Australia and and um, Japan and France and other countries, they they do a combination of limiting the use of the transmitters around major airports and also or using lower power transmitters that operate on the same frequency that are, have, are less likely to interfere with the altimeters. Um, Canada also has successfully um, 
rolled it out and has limited has limits in place for 26 of the country's airports. So it it does work, right? It does it it does other countries have been able to use 5G. Now, AT&T and Verizon um are pissed. If you can say suck, I can say pissed. <laughs> I think you are allowed to do that, Madhu. They're pissed because you know they they've invested billions and billions of dollars in not just buying the spectrum in the FCC's auction, but you know staffing up and installing all the, buying the transmitters and developing them and staffing and installing them and all sorts of things. So they're pissed off because they're they're banking on this faster network for as a consumer benefit than that redounds directly to their bottom line. Um, and we've seen, you know, the story I wrote was there was a flurry of really furious letters from the CEOs of AT&T and Verizon, from Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, from the FCC, all pointing fingers at each other. And um, the FCC, well, the FCC and, and the CEOs of the wireless companies are really pointing the finger at, at transportation. Transportation's pointing their fingers at at the FCC, it's just say, and to your point earlier, Ned, I mean, you know, the wireless companies and FCC said, we had 11 months to figure this out. Why right. did it take so long? Right. So um, now the DOT and a whole coalition of airline, air aviation groups, you know, including A4A, which represents the airlines, the Aerospace Industries Association, which represents manufacturers, the Aircraft owners, oh God, I always get the aircraft operator owners and pilots association, which AOPA, right? AOPA, which represents general aviation pilots, you know, the unions. They've all banded together to say this is going to be unsafe. Um, so we will see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, it seems like two weeks. If you couldn't figure this out in 11 months, I don't know what another two weeks is going to do, but. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I know what it'll do. It'll make a lot of employees of the FAA work very, very, very long <laughs> hours for the next two weeks. So they got. <laughs> which I was going to say it's going to make a lot of lawyers probably you know, oh, bill yeah. some some uh, nice hours they're going to be enjoying uh, in the new year. But you know, it's uh, yeah, it just seems like it's it seems if this has been done safely elsewhere, it should be pretty simple. I think to do it safely here. Well, what Transportation yeah. Secretary Pete Buttigieg has, has recommended to the wireless companies and why they stood down is that his agency will take the next um, two weeks to determine a list of airports where there is potential interference and and come up with some other mitigation tactics and also you know work with the manufacturers to to reduce interference with the altimeters so two weeks in a lot of time but uh, we will see <laughs> no definitely we will see because i i know there's i mean these are two huge industries wireless and, and aviation so you know it's they're gonna have to come to a solution at some point this isn't going to keep dragging on so yeah we'll see two weeks like you said a lot of fa staffers have been working very hard and uh, a lot of uh, industry lawyers probably are too so a lot yeah. of industry lawyers are gonna make a bunch of money too <laughs> they are. They absolutely are. <laughs> well, Madhu, it's always a pleasure to join you here on the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. If you need to reach either of us, you can reach Madhu at mu at skiff.com. You can reach myself, Ned Russell, at er at skiff.com. Thank you for joining us, and here's to a happy new year 2022 ahead. Happy new year, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. 
course, check out AirlineWeekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week. 